What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the 3C Podcast. I am your host, Brett McGrath. It's Monday. You know what that means. Another conversation with our team about something that interests us, something that we're working on, something that's going to help give you some ideas on how to think about your role or your company moving into the week. I bring Jonathan back on for this one, and we talk about newsletters. There is a craze going on here with newsletters. We heard about HubSpot and the acquisition of The Hustle. You can't go anywhere without seeing someone hyping up their newsletter. Newsletters galore. It's Newsletters 2.0. So I want to talk with Jonathan about that because we are building out our newsletter. In fact, our newsletter is in motion right now. Not the final version, but we've got a version out there. So if you sign up for our wait list, you can be a part of that newsletter journey with us. You can find that in the show notes. Just hit the link, drop an email. You're going to get a newsletter once a week. It's going to be helpful, curated content. So we talk a lot about that. It's going to it's going to be a good conversation for you to hear if you're someone who's thinking about how to amplify your email marketing or perhaps you're thinking about putting your own newsletter together. Definitely, if you like what you've been hearing on the 3C Podcast, hit that subscribe button. Leave us a review. Tell us how we're doing. We do appreciate that. Follow us at Meet Fathom on Twitter, at the 3C Podcast on Instagram, and on TikTok. A lot of plugs. Without further ado, let's kick it to the conversation. What is up? Back on the 3C Podcast. Jonathan, you have had a little bit of a hiatus on the bench while a couple other teammates filled the void on the show. Welcome back. How was your time off? It was great, Brett. Uh, Thanks for having me back. Honestly, I was a little worried about being Wally Pipped. Um, If you're not familiar with who Wally Pip is, that's that's part of the analogy. He uh, decided to take a day of rest before Lou Gehrig played thousands of games in a row in his place. Um, but fortunately, uh, you've invited me back. Although Elena and Eric did an awesome job, I'd encourage marketers. Um, you know, if you're curious about what we're building or kind of a non-marketer's opinion, give the listen. Uh, give the podcast with Eric a listen. It was. A good reminder that a lot of times when uh, we think we're doing marketing, I loved his perspective of always seeking out educational resources. And that's really what we're in the business of when we're creating content is not marketing, but actually education. So that was a cool perspective uh, for me to listen to. Even, you know, having working with Eric every single day, that was was a really cool podcast. So thanks, Brett, for hosting them and hosting those conversations, as well as inviting me back. Yeah, no, and I think just to comment on that and commenting on my own content, I guess, I reflect on all of these conversations I have on the podcast and things that I produce. And that one, especially with Eric, I've thought more about since putting it out. And I think we as B2B marketers get so stuck in the process and ideas of what B2B marketers do and how we think that it's oftentimes it's good to reach over cross-functionally to another teammate get their perspective on the work that you're doing because you're probably gained some insights that you might not have got before being stuck in your B2B marketing bubble. So that was my big takeaway and glad Eric joined. It was a little outside of his comfort zone, but I told him once we we launched this product, he's coming back on to talk about how great it is. I told him if he didn't want to do it again, he just really needed to bomb the first time he was on, which he didn't do. So uh, he is going to be invited back for sure. Absolutely. Okay. So there's a topic that I want to spend a majority of this conversation talking about. 
and it is newsletters and the craze with newsletters. But before we get to newsletters, I want to talk about maybe an acquisition that happened a couple weeks ago at this point that involves newsletters. But I think if you take a step back, it more, more involves a media company, and that is HubSpot's acquisition of The Hustle. And as I've become more educated with why HubSpot made this purchase and why they went after the hustle, I've been more and more intrigued. And I think my biggest takeaway so far is that I have heard voices out in the market for the past probably two or three years talking about, you know, you need as a B2B marketing company, you should be thinking about your marketing more like a media company uh, is marketing and less like traditional B2B marketing. You've heard, I've heard Gary Vee say that forever and a lot of other voices. And now this is kind of the first, first merger or acquisition, I guess, where a company with the you know statute of HubSpot actually decided, hey, you know what? We're not going to go build this. We're just going to go buy a media company. So I guess let's start there because ultimately it involved, they have a newsletter and we'll talk more about that. But when you caught the news about the hustle um, being bought by HubSpot, what kind of things ran through your head? Yeah, I was fascinated by the deal. Um, and I, I read a lot about it very quickly, very initially when I think there was still a lot of speculation. And I think there's it's still very speculative kind of long-term goal or what HubSpot will do with the hustle. So, so I don't want to sit here and pretend that I'm able to predict that. But there are a few things that based on what we've been doing uh, at Fathom um, in the business to this point that really resonated with me with that specific acquisition. So one is that it's something I think you and I have talked about previously is that marketers keep hitting this law of diminishing returns where they think they they spend a lot of time, effort, energy, and resources creating content. And then they go back to the same channel and the same audience over and over and over again. And it becomes this content hamster wheel of the only thing then you can do to capture your audience's attention is new content. So you just create new content, same channel, same audience over and over again. We actually, we had the opportunity during sprint week for this business and getting it off the ground to talk with uh, HubSpot's marketing leadership. This was that's over almost a year ago now at this point. And um, they even said, you know, we have millions of social followers, but we still struggle with content distribution. So that quote really rang true with me as uh, I read about this acquisition. Um, I think that's their way of finding that content distribution. Um, you know, they need a larger audience. They need new ways to distribute content. I don't expect them to turn it into a HubSpot newsletter by any stretch of the imagination, but it allows them to further cement their um, voice in the marketplace. It obviously opens up their audience and it, it gives them a really powerful bench of content creators and the uh, writers for the hustle, You know, some of the creative talent for the hustle. Uh, it really broadens their scope, not only in the marketplace, but on their own team. So those are a few of the things that really resonated with me. I loved your point about businesses thinking um, of marketing as like a media business. Uh, that's something that really resonates with what we're building. You know, as I mentioned, marketers are always trying to find that new audience, right? They're they're desperate to find that channel or find that audience that that breaks that law of diminishing returns for them. And so that's what we're hoping to build with Fathom is through understanding our audience and through having a large audience of our own and understanding what they're interacting with, what they're engaging with. Uh, we can help marketers expand that top of the top of funnel. We need to come up with a better word for that, but it's really about the top of the top of the funnel. 
broadening that awareness and pairing your content that you've poured all of those resources in with a new relevant audience for you at the right time in the right format. That sounds like a sales pitch, but that that's just, it feels like there's um, these market dynamics happening right now where we have an opportunity to help maybe marketers who don't have the resources that HubSpot has think like a B2B media company. Cause I, I think that's certainly a trend that is um, evolving right in front of our eyes. For sure. And I think for me, as I was digging into it and thinking about HubSpot's position and the why behind it, you know, they have HubSpot is a business. I've bought HubSpot at several of my former employers. It is a tool that is super powerful. They're customer service team is incredible. It's super easy to get onboarded. All the things in a marketing B2B marketing company that you look for. So continue to go back to the well. So as a fan of HubSpot, I've kind of put, I've done some history. I've, I've studied the history of the company. And, you know, when you had the Brian Darmesh and Mike Volpe, who was their CMO at the time, they were dedicated to taking a point of view. They were dedicated to creating content. They were dedicated to this movement with inbound marketing, which I think is awesome. And it still rings true to this day. Well, and as you just think, I think about when that that company was spun up and trying to create content, try to get people noticed, try to educate the market on the power of inbound marketing. I think about just the, all of the shifts that have taken place from the year when HubSpot was founded into now. And I, I try to put their view on the way things were to where they are now and just the consumption of content in general. And I think people produce blog posts and they go out and they're part, they're, they're being crawled by Google and they're hoping to get placement and they're hoping to get eyes on it and people read it and then move into their inbound funnel. And that's very much a part of marketing today. However, there is this element now where, you know, there is so much content and there is across all different channels and it, bleeds over to our experiences sitting watching Netflix every night and being a fan of content and binge watching things that to me, that's where my mind went when I was studying up on the hustle and studying up on them being a media company, that if they can take some of their power of what they've built in fans, the million fans that they've gotten that came in to listen to their podcast, subscribe to their newsletter, if they can come in and help HubSpot at all flex into that while also kind of maintaining true to the core principles that have kept HubSpot humming along and growing all of these years. That makes out to be a really powerful combination and a way to get a lot of more eyeballs and a lot of more fans on what you're building and what you're producing. Yeah, we've talked a ton about B2B content experiences just being broken, totally bogus. You know, nobody's ever been excited to see a form. Uh, Consumer preferences have changed. Consumer experiences have changed. You mentioned Netflix. This is a way for a B2B business being HubSpot to come across uh, in a B2C experience of a consumer who enjoys reading a business newsletter. Uh, it's a way for them to kind of circumnavigate that old fashioned B2B experience. It's interesting. They, they created the inbound game and now this is a very strategic acquisition and kind of that outbound game. But I think it's, 
it's more about the consumer experience. And at the end of the day, uh, we talk about this a lot, you know, a B2B buyer is just a human, just like a B2C consumer. Uh, so why don't the experiences match up? And I think this is HubSpot's attempt at meeting that consumer preference, meeting that consumer experience that we've all grown to love um, across other business models. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And digging into that as a part of the media company package, one of the things that HubSpot gets, and we have, again, no idea how it's going to be used, but it, and a part of the reason why the hustle was so successful is because of their newsletter. So I have a perspective on newsletters, and I always have, and that has definitely changed in, since I started working here, and I know you have a point of view on newsletters. But I'll start from like my old point of view on newsletters. So as a member being kind of wet behind the ears, being a first time marketer, being at exact target, part of my job was to build RFPs, respond to RFPs and position our product. And without fail, in every RFP, we talked about the ability to help your company get your newsletter off the ground and going. Now, I never really understood that and that never really excited me because it was newsletters to me that brands were making were just bland and it was just a bunch of stuff about them and stuff they were trying to push to their subscribers. And so I, I kind of forgot about newsletters and then we started talking about it. And as I was getting up to speed, you started talking about morning brew. You started talking about the hustle. You started talking about all these newsletters and the, the experience that you were getting in your inbox. And it totally changed my perspective of, wow, like we're here in 2021 talking about newsletters. So maybe in, in the spirit of newsletters, just starting from there, and then maybe we can get into the hustle a little bit is what, what is your point of view on where newsletters were to where they're, where they are now and what excites you about it? Yeah. Great question. It's funny. You mentioned the exact target days when we were both working there. I remember that being there in 2011, 2012, and we were fighting the stereotype that email marketing is dead or email marketing is going away or dying. And we, I think we all knew better, but we had to convince the marketplace of that a little bit. And here we are almost 10 years later, if not 10 years later, and it feels like there's this like golden age of email newsletters or this renaissance of email newsletters. And I think like news, what a newsletter is, it feels even weird to call it email newsletters. Like what is a newsletter, right? It's really just content delivered via email. And so, you know, I think that's part of the evolution of the email channel. Newsletter used to be, here's news about us or about me, Right. And I think, again, people realize that there's a more powerful way uh, to use the email channel that is delivering content that's relevant to your audience, which sounds so obvious to even say out loud. Um, but I think now the best newsletters and the best business uh, B2B newsletters specifically, it's, it's really very little about the business that's delivering it. It's more about the person who's reading it and delivering content to that person that's reading it, no matter the source of it that is engaging, um, relevant to that person. And so I think, you know, now there's individuals monetizing newsletters. I think businesses are getting much better about how they deliver newsletters. Things like Substack are becoming very popular where people can have built business models entirely off the back of people paying for newsletter subscriptions. And so it's really amazing how the email channel has evolved. Again, I think it's more than just 
newsletter, but it's, it's about content delivery, which really goes back to the content strategy and uh, knowing your audience and what they're interested in and what format they want to engage with that in and um, getting it into their inbox. It's right before we actually jumped on the podcast today, I got an email about like, uh, it's from, well, I won't name who it was from. It's six ways to increase email engagement or something along these lines. And it was, you know, a very like listicle article, you know, do this, do that, very tactical things. I just like, I got it and it, it jumped out at me because I knew we were about to have this conversation. I just wanted to be like, like, just make better content. Like that, that is how you get people to engage with your newsletters, make good content uh, and know the content that you're uh, audience wants to engage with and deliver it to them. That is the value of a newsletter. Is it being delivered to me at the right time on the right subject matter? I don't know. It's just, it's, it's amazing the evolution of email. Um, but I think it's here to stay. And like I said, I think newsletters just keep growing in popularity. Yeah. I, we've all heard the narrative that email is dead. Email is dying. And it seems like it's every few years that happens. And then something happens like the rise of newsletters where I, I literally can't get off on like on Twitter. I can't like open up my Twitter feed without someone talking about clubhouse, which we're not going to talk about here, maybe another time or email newsletters. So I think as I've dug into this and tried to identify an opportunity for what we're doing, I definitely think we, we have a newsletter. I think it was, let's get a newsletter together. And if you're listening to this, you should definitely just go sign up, um, sign up to be on our wait list. We'll have a link in the show notes, but you'll get a newsletter every week. So we're looking to evolve that. And I think I've dug into Substack and try to figure out, is this potentially a way we should deliver our solution? I don't know. It's jury's still out. The one thing I have noticed, and, it, and maybe I'm just not receiving the right newsletters or not, <laughs> but I've noticed that you've got marketing influencers that are sending in new newsletters. You've got, you know, media companies sending newsletter and they're all about at, at some way, shape or form, they're trying to monetize, whether it's ad placement, whether it's subscribing and paying. What I have not seen is a, a B2B marketing company delivering a newsletter that is like, hey, here is some of our content here are some tweets, here are some articles, here are some things that we found this week that we think is important. This isn't going to cost you anything. We're, we're, we're happy you're on our list and we're, we're just trying to give back and, and share things that we think will make your jobs better. So that, that's one like observation I've made. Do, do you have a reaction to that? Have you noticed it similar or, or, or is it different? Yeah, I think there are, because you mentioned our newsletter, I'll, I'll hit on that briefly and maybe how it answers that question. I think there are, we're doing two things with our newsletter, which I think are maybe more rare than what they should be in the B2B newsletter game. One is since, I mean, since you started, I think it was like your second or third week, we started sending out a newsletter, which was, you know, I, I appreciate and enjoy working with you because of the pace and uh, motor that you run with. I was like, oh man, are we ready for a newsletter? But we were ready to start sharing our story. And so we just started the newsletter as literally that sharing behind the scenes, what it's like to build a business, build a content marketing plan. And we thought that was valuable to our subscribers who are inherently interested in content. I think that's proven to be the case. Um, so I think sharing a behind the scenes look at the business is one way I've seen the good B2B newsletters engage. And the other is 
sharing resources, sharing interesting content. That is, I think, more common than the kind of behind the scenes look or the build in public look that we're sharing. And we're trying to do a little bit of both of those things now. I think there are some good examples of B2B companies and newsletters out there that do like a really cool aggregation of content. I think when you start mixing in social and other mediums is when it gets even more unique. But there are way too many newsletters out there that are just, hey, sign up for our webinar, look at our most recent blog post, follow us on social, just me, me, me. Um, and that is unfortunately way too common. And so we are trying to take a very different approach. Yes, we'll promote some of our own content, but it'll always be in lockstep with other content creators in the space who are doing inspiring content. And we think that's most valuable for our audience. So do you, I guess you mentioned some newsletters. Talk, talk to me about some experiences that you're receiving on a daily or weekly basis on an, in your inbox. It can be from any newsletter you're signed up for that you enjoy and why you enjoy them. Yeah, I'll be a little bit selfish with the first one. Uh, and this is going to be out of left field, probably not what you're expecting. But I was I had an accidental entrepreneur entrepreneurial journey that was starting a craft brewery uh, with a few friends of a side project that accidentally became a full-time project. And um, before we launched, we launched, we had a Kickstarter. So we had some email subscribers and we launched a newsletter um, that grew from like 300 people to 2000 people prior to launch. And then from 2000, I think it was like close to 20,000 by the time I left the brewery about three and a half years later. And all we did was every Friday, there were four co-founders in the business and each co-founder rotated writing a very personal letter to the fans. It wasn't, it wasn't promoting our events. Sure, we did that at the very bottom in the footer, but the core of the email was, hey, here's what we're struggling with. Here are the decisions we're making. Here's how we're thinking about the beer industry. Uh, and that what drew on inspiration from Scott Dorsey at Exact Target. He would send an internal Friday note. We kind of wanted to open that up publicly. And uh, so we sent a co-founders Friday note every week. And that was wildly successful. I want to talk about that. Yeah, let's I, talk about I, I've never heard about, I've never heard this. Oh, I, I, I've heard this, but in bits and pieces, but the growth is what stands out to me. What were the reasons that that newsletter saw the growth it did in the time you were working for the brewery? Like, can, are there any moments in time that stood out that you're like, okay, we did this and that led to X many more subscribers? Yeah. So A, we were fortunate. Two of us had just come from Exact Target to found this business. So we had some email marketing experience. B, uh, myself leading the marketing team there. Uh, I was very passionate about email. I remember, I think it's somebody from the litmus team. I feel bad. I can't credit them, but they said, if you want to build a business, you have to be one of two good things, or you have to do one of two things. One, build an incredible product or two, be incredible at email marketing. And I felt like we were doing both. And so what we did is we used that email subscription, you know, even before we opened and we were going to events to just share that we were launching a brewery in this revitalized neighborhood. Our call to action was join our newsletter, join our newsletter. We took an iPad to every event for people to sign up for the newsletter. That was, we were so incredibly consistent with our call to action uh, with our audience that that really worked. And then two, uh, I think the other thing we did is because of the content of the newsletter being that very personal note from co-founders, we told them that this was their opportunity to come on the journey with us, right? Like 
make this brewery as much yours as it was ours. And every week, uh, because I was powering the email through MailChimp, uh, I would we would get replies, like very personal replies about, hey, sorry you're going through that. Here's what I think. Or congratulations, that's an awesome accomplishment. Uh, it was just very personal. And we invited that uh, from the moment somebody signed up, which again was our main CTA. And then just letting them know that this was um, their opportunity to drive the brewery forward with us. I, I think what's important there that stands out to me is just one consistency with call to action and not backing down from that. And two, the message is talking with people and not talking to people. People want to feel like they're a part of something. People want to have their voice be heard. So it's simple. As I'm putting on my marketing hat here, it's the simple tweaks in words that people use when they're communicating that can make a massive difference. And it sounds like in your experience with the newsletter and the brewery, you you took those right steps to make it the newsletter and everything else you were doing feel more like a community than a company that's trying to sell you some beer. Yeah. And again, that was all about the, that. That's because of the content of the newsletter, right? Like the newsletter inherently in and of itself isn't anything. It's just content delivered via newsletter, which is was very authentic content. And so that's the thing. It's just content delivered via the email channel that made that possible. You know, it wasn't having a button above the fold or, you know, writing a subject line that's less than 40 characters. We maybe tried, like, like we tried using email best practices, but it like none of those things are what drove that newsletter forward. It was the content in and of itself. Is there any, aside from your brewery newsletter, which <laughs> you're a fan of, obviously you help put it together. Is there anybody who's doing email newsletters, right? Like what is the shining star example for you that when you read the newsletter, you're like, man, if we can hit on one or two of these things, when we're putting our, bringing our newsletter to life, like we'll be, we'll be, we'll be doing things the right way. Yeah. I mean, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the brew series, morning brew, marketing brew. I think I'm also uh, subscribed to Emerging Tech Brew. I'm a huge fan of them and their content. What I love about their content is their consistent voice, which is really refreshing. It's news, but it's not spoken to you like news. It's, it's very millennial or even Gen Z and how it talks and how it translates uh, or how it communicates with you. I'm also just, I, I love following um, Alex and Austin on social. They share, they build in public. They share a lot of the same thoughts about audience building that we do. So I draw a lot of inspiration just from their entire business, which is probably a cliche answer to that question. Some others, uh, I really like the Open View newsletter, uh, venture capital firm out of uh, Boston. I would suspect, I don't know if I'm going to give credit to the right person or not, but Kyle Lacey was involved there at one point also from the exact target background. So I'd suspect email is something they've prioritized for a while. Again, they share some of their own perspective, but then they share other interesting reads from across the industry. I think, again, kind of going back to my background, I, I still subscribe to where I was at previously, which was a healthcare analytics platform. You know, not really relevant to my day-to-day -day anymore, but that team does such an awesome job of bringing in content across the healthcare space. It's a fun way for me to continue to keep a little bit of uh, my thumb on the pulse in that space, which I think is interesting. And it doesn't feel like I'm being marketed to or like I'm just being asked to convert for them. It's just cool content that I like to kind of skim. But there, there are a lot of uh, businesses doing it well out there. But I think 
the theme with all those is uh, very light on promotion and very heavy on curation and aggregation. I, I love it. Let's close with this. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. So you, you don't mind being on the spot, right? Nope. Bring it on. <laughs> all right, here we go. So I'm just going to put you in the seat as the person who's in charge of the hustle and HubSpot acquisition and you are responsible for integrating the hustle into the HubSpot business. What does success look like to you in that role? It's a great question. You mentioned on the spot, man. I think it needs to feel very organic, whatever they do. Like HubSpot has a newsletter. They probably have dozens of newsletters that are all very successful. So I don't think they should try to make the hustle into the HubSpot newsletter. And I would anticipate they're not. You know, there are promoted content spaces. There are advertising spaces powered by, uh, that I'm sure will be powered by HubSpot or uh, lean into the HubSpot ecosystem. You know, maybe those are now spots for their partners. I think that would be a really good opportunity for them to use it for admittedly the good of their business, but not be overly selfish or like overly promotional with just the HubSpot brand, you know, work with your partners, work with your channel partners to use some of those spots. And then I think just like using their own software, um, you know, their own ability to understand what an audience, how an audience is behaving with the hustle newsletter uh, is just a huge opportunity. That was something when I was at exact target, I ended up on a team that was how we used our own software. Um, And that was just a ton of fun to uh, use our own platform to, we called it drinking our own champagne. And that's, I think the, the HubSpot opportunity is to use their platform to grow that newsletter, understand what the individuals who are subscribed to those newsletter are interested in and just make it feel very organic and very natural. And at the end of the day, there's a bunch of people at HubSpot that I'm sure are way smarter than me that are going to do something even bigger and better than it. But that's, that's where my mind initially goes on that opportunity. Nice job. I like it. I think it makes a lot of sense. And also, I will say, as we're thinking about newsletters, especially this week, this conversation will definitely help build in the creation and the evolution of what we're doing. And I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't plug it again. Definitely sign up for the wait list because you'll get our newsletter and it's going to evolve. Obviously, we're doing a podcast episode on newsletters, so they're near and dear to my heart. Anything else, Jonathan? No, uh, like you said, subscribe to the newsletter and you know watch it evolve in real time. We want your feedback. Don't be afraid to reply to the newsletter. And uh, we're excited to start sharing some awesome content with you via the email channel. Awesome. Well, thanks. Thanks again and uh, get you back on here soon. Take it easy, man. Cool. Thanks, Brett. All right, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Not sure I thought newsletters would come back the way they have, but it makes a lot of sense. Someone taking the time to curate articles that matter to you and consistently putting them into a place that you're going to regularly makes a lot of sense. If you're doing something cool with your newsletter, get at me, at Indy McGrath on Twitter. I'd love to start a conversation with you. Hit that subscribe button if you're enjoying this and you're not already subscribed. Take care of yourself, take care of others around you, and we'll be back on Friday for another conversation. 